So, um, you know, haven't eaten anything today yet. Just, just having a lot of coffee. And the first thing I wanted to do today was, uh, have a shot of our, of our rose garden because it was so good yesterday and, um, they were different roast dates. So I, I wanted to try it again today on the newer roast date, one week difference to see, um, you know, how it was tasting and, and it wasn't as good as the uh, older date that had rested for an extra week. So, so we, we, you know, we made some adjustments today, but, but the new, the, the blend is still relatively the same. It's still, it's still 50% Guatemalan and 50% Ethiopian. The only difference was that we updated the Guatemalan component for a new, um, uh, a new crop from a different uh, producer and it is like so much better. It, it just enhanced all our coffees and pretty much improved every coffee that we were using that was using the Guatemalan. So, so I'm still chasing that shot that we had yesterday and um, you know, I'll probably swing back around the cafe, have a little bit more and uh, you know, see how we may want to uh, revamp our, our coffee program a little bit about what's on bar and what's on drip. That's awesome. So maybe you can just like introduce yourself and maybe say a little bit about who you are, how academic started, and like what your vision for academic is today. Yes. Yeah, so, um, hello. Uh, my name is Frank Wing. I am the owner of Academic Coffee, and Academic has been around for you know almost seven years now. So the, the brick and mortar is coming up close to six years. But, um, but before the cafe opened, we spent about a year being a pop-up and doing um, all the preliminary work for opening a cafe. So all, all in total, almost seven years as, as a business. And um, you know, before that, you know, I was working you know, office jobs, um, you know, uh, Mostly, mostly in like, you know, marketing, business development, and uh, in travel, and 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 I always loved coffee. I've always been a coffee enthusiast, um, and you know, every time I go to a new city or, or visit a new place, you know, going, finding a coffee shop is is the first thing I do, and I definitely visited a coffee shop. You know, every single day before opening up a coffee shop, and um, you know, sometimes even twice a day. And I also made coffee at home, so so always been a coffee enthusiast. And and I always told myself that one day I would want to just retire and open up a coffee shop, <laughs> and just kind of like you know rent it casually. And maybe about eight years ago, there was a day where I, I think I was having an existential crisis. And I was like, why am I waiting to do that later? I should just do it now. Mm-hmm. So talked to my partner, Kathy, about it. And I was like, hey, this is something I want to do. And she's just like, well, you, you keep talking about it, so you should just do it. And, um, you know, pulled the trigger and did it. So I, you know, I quit my day job, um, started doing this pop-up, uh, and uh, found a, a vacant corner to, to um, be a future cafe and, and just got to work and um, 
you know, it was a challenging process. It was like, uh, you know, I learned a lot. It was, it was a lot of things that were unexpected. You know, I thought, you know, I thought it was going to be easy. I thought it was just like, oh yeah, sign a retail space, find somebody to build it out and just open it. And, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't ready for, you know, the challenges of a brick and mortar, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for the experience and, and, you know, here, here I am seven years later and, um, it's, it's been a pretty special journey, met a lot of great people. And, um, I have a wonderful team that I'm grateful for every day. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been good. Thanks, very good. That's awesome. I, I, I just love hearing that story. I think it's so special and really encouraging to like anybody who might want to be pursuing that. Um, what do you kind of see as like your vision for academic today? I think um, my my vision for academic today is for so so I I think one of the you know core values of academic has always been you know having really good quality and um, and and just being unique and original and and I would love for it to be able to. I guess sustain or perpetuate itself without me, and and right now I'm I'm kind of like very much hands on in a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, but I I, I would love um, to be able to kind of maybe maybe I'm trying to find the right, right words, but maybe either pass the torch or hand the reins over to to the team so that they can kind of take ownership, have uh, room to grow. Um, you know, have the ability to put in as much input as they want to put in, and and have uh, have academic take a life of its own without me. Um, you know, because you know I'm getting older. I'm not going to be here forever. But I would love for it to be able to to just kind of continue on and grow. Yeah, you want to create something sustainable, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would love to create something. Um, you know, sustainable in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be like a core value of academic overall is sustainability. Not only like something you want for the cafe, like as a whole for the employees as a whole, but also mm-hmm. something that um, seems to be a part of like the different business practices that you want to pursue. Right. Can you tell us more about how you see sustainability in academic? Yeah, so when I first opened up Academic, um, you know, sustainability was always um, at the forefront, and um, and when I talk about sustainability, I I always talk about it in like two parts. You know, the first part is sustainability in the sense of the environment and the business practices that impact the environment and the surrounding community. And then I always talk about sustainability in the sense of the people and the, I guess, economic health of the business. So to be sustainable, you have to have the people who are there uh, be able to, to work, make a living, and be happy, and, and, you know, and, and they, they keep the business going. And, and economically, the business is, is viable. You're obviously, you have to you know, pay all your bills to keep going. Um, and when I when I opened up academic, um, 
you know, I started learning about <laughs> how, how the city works. And, and I was actually surprised because my, my first encounter with, uh, you know, challenges around sustainability was, was a trash service. You know, I had to figure out, okay, you know, talking to the landlord, the landlord, um, you know, covers trash for the building because, mm-hmm. you know, we have neighbors in the building as well. And, and I, that's when I found out that the city did not have commercial composting. The city of San Jose does not have commercial composting. Um, so, I, you know, I, I was really confused. I was like, okay, our only options are trash and recycling. And, uh, you know, part of our um, building's trash service is that, you know, we have a dumpster and then the, the service separates the recycling and the trash. So, you know, the good thing is that we have recycling, but there was no commercial composting. And then I started mm-hmm. going down this rabbit hole and like researching it with the city. And I was like, oh, the city of San Jose doesn't have commercial composting because, you know, it, it, it's a lot of, um, you know, bureaucracy involved. The, the city is huge and there are multiple, I guess, multiple companies that manage waste in San Jose. Um, and, and they're like private public partnerships and, and they manage different neighborhoods. So depending on where you are in San Jose, mm-hmm. you have a different service picking up your, your trash and, you know, hauling it off. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's really difficult to do like a blanket uh, change across the city too, because there's a lot of different moving parts. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a shock to me because I came from, you know, I, I grew up in San Francisco, lived in San Francisco for a long time. And then I went to college in Berkeley and then I lived in Berkeley afterwards too, and then moved back to San Francisco. And in these other cities, they had commercial composting. Mm-hmm. And... I remember composting in San Francisco started at a, at a young age for me because, you know, I, I can't remember the year exactly, but growing up, every household was given like a little green bin and that was the start of it. And then it, it grew into a big bin. Mm-hmm. But, but um, you know, for as long as I can remember, San Francisco had composting. And, um, you know, growing up in San Francisco, I was in like our... I was in my high school's ecology club, which is kind of like the, the 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 sustainability <laughs> club. We did like park cleanups and like you know gardening projects and stuff like that. So that that was always a part of me. And um, you know, growing up in the city, you know, I, I always was like looking to escape to like parks and stuff like that. So I, I you know I always loved um, camping, hiking, and and I was always seeking that stuff out. So that's why I like you know I have a big affinity towards towards nature. And, um, you know, naturally the philosophy of doing all the outdoorsy stuff is to leave no trace, you mm-hmm. know, you know, leave only footprints and, um, you know, clean up, clean up after yourself. But sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but, but, you know, back to discovering that San Jose didn't have commercial composting. Um, that was the, 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 the first challenge around sustainability that, that, um, I encountered. Um, but, but we, you know, we, we tried our best to, to still work within those parameters. And, and I hope that one day San Jose kind of follows the lead of the other neighboring counties and cities Mm. to introduce commercial composting. Um, like Berkeley, Berkeley, um, did, uh, I think Berkeley was one of the first cities in the Bay area to kind of introduce like legislation to require all disposables be compostable. 
and um, San Mateo County followed suit. So San Mateo County requires all disposables to be compostable, which I think is really cool. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I, I might be wrong, but I believe that Cupertino also did the same thing and, and um, you know, required that all, all disposables be compostable, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I, I feel like I'm kind of understanding more of like your heart behind yeah. like compostability and sustainability. Um, why why would you choose? The, it seems like there's like a lot of challenges, especially in San Jose, like you were just mentioning. Like it's hard to find like com- composting resources, and then you've also mentioned in the past like it's a lot more expensive to buy compostable mm-hmm. things. Um, but can you? Tell us just like a little bit more of like why, even with all those challenges, that it's important to you. Yeah, um, you know, I've got a I've got a daughter. She's three and a half now, and um, and we, and we want to raise her in San Jose. And and when I think about sustainability, you know, I, I think about whatever whoever the next generation is going to be. And, um, you know, I, I believe in climate change. It's, it's totally real. And, and so I'm always reading up on, on all these different studies about how, how things are, you know, not looking great mm-hmm. in terms of um, climate change, environment, you know, microplastics in our environment, all that stuff terrifies me. And, and I want, you know, I want my daughter to grow up in a world where, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be nice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen how other developing countries have what they're going through and, um, and, and how it's in fact, it's, it's affecting their environment. And, um, and it's like, it's, it's terrifying. And I don't want that to happen for us. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, like, like it's important. It's important for me. Yeah. Like, I want my daughter to grow up in a world where she breathes clean air. Mm-hmm. She's eating foods that don't contain, you know, chemicals and microplastics. And and I and I think about that all the time. And um. And and I've seen I've seen the statistics not go in our favor. Like um. You know, there was a statistic that I remember growing up where, you know, cancers are becoming more more um, common, like one in 10 people will get cancer in their life. And then more recently, that, that statistic has gone to, you know, one to three, one mm. in three. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, yeah. one in three, you yeah. know, one of, one, of this, one of us in this room right now <laughs> is going to get cancer in their life. And, and, and so those things like, you know, scare me. Mm. And I know there's a lot of factors involved, but obviously environment is the biggest factor. And then, um, you know, my my family immigrated here from, you know, Vietnam in the 80s. And I've visited Vietnam a few times um, in the past, and, and I've seen that country just kind of like go through this like massive industrialization, modernization and the change in the environment and the pollution is 
so drastic to see it happen in real time. Um, where the last time I visited, the pollution was just unbelievable um, compared to, to what I remember. And, and I actually got sick on the trip just from like my throat being so mm-hmm. sore and my nose hurting from just the, the change in the air. And, uh, you know, I had, had an app that like registered the, the, AQ, the, what was it? The AQI. And it was like, it was like San Jose during the wildfire periods mm. on a, on a daily basis over there. So it's just crazy to think about. And, um, you know, just, just seeing that, like, I, I think about that stuff all the time and, um, you know we're 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 in a place where the technology exists. It's just a matter of choices, and um, and I know we're a small business. Like we're we're a small business. We're just one single little spot in San Jose. We're doing our thing, and you know, obviously, the biggest polluters are are these major corporations, like. You know, there are much larger coffee companies that could be making a much bigger impact with these small changes. But um, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I feel like, you know, being in the Bay Area, being in California, we could help set trends. And we've been doing this compostable thing for, for a while now. And I hope that, um, you know, people will see what's happening out there and kind of vote or make opinions based on on where they purchase and spend their money and and I think that it, I, I see a lot of small independent businesses like like ours um, lead that change and if if we can eventually um, have enough consumers with us collectively to to force some of these bigger companies to just say hey you know what? All these small companies are doing it. It's making us look bad. Maybe we got to make a change too. And I think that's when like, you know, real real change can start happening. But do do it for the kids. Yeah. Doing it for the kids. For sure. And set up I think it's important to set a precedent. Like I think especially with academics place in the San Jose community, like it's such an important facet of our community that mm-hmm. to set a precedent as a local business is really important for other local businesses to see. I think I think even that like to do it for your daughter to do it for like future generations and um, to do it for the rest of our community is a huge win. We hope you enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about the owner of Academic Frank and getting a little glimpse into the inner workings of Academic. Frank's mission to keep pushing sustainability and the challenges that come with that can be daunting. As with many small business owners, Frank was in a place where he wasn't sure if he was able to continue to financially prioritize sustainability. But in the next episode, we'll discuss how Frank was able to push forward and found a resolution to continuing to choose sustainability for academic. 
And thank you so much for listening to Dial In. If you want to look for updates about our podcast, you can find us at academiccoffee.com. Our blog's on there. You can also find us on Instagram at Academic Coffee Co. and on Facebook at Academic Coffee. If you liked listening, please consider following the podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to. Consider giving us a rating and sharing with a friend. We hope that you have a wonderful day. And as always, just be nice.